Hi, I'm Cami, And I'm Brittany. And this is the Deeply Rooted Homeschool. The heart behind our podcast is to encourage and equip you as you start or continue your homeschool journey. If you're considering homeschooling or are new to homeschooling, we created this podcast with you in mind to answer common questions. If you're just finding us, you'll probably want to go back and catch up on our past episodes. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Deeply Rooted Homeschool. Today on the podcast, we are excited to have our friend Anna here with us to talk about her approach to homeschooling her children. We only recently got connected with Anna through some mutual friends, but quickly realized that she had so many awesome things to share. Anna is a mom of four and is a hilarious woman with so much wisdom to offer new homeschool mamas. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Anna. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. Yay, us too. Okay, so Anna, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your family? How old are your children? My husband Shane and I will celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary this year, and we have four children. My oldest son is a 10th grader going into 10th grade. My youngest is going into first grade. So we've got a 10-year gap between those babies. I did not have any formal training in education. I was a stay-at-home mom. My favorite subjects in school were lunch and recess. So, and I took decorating classes in college. (laughs) Okay, so how did you end up deciding to homeschool? When my oldest son turned five, I did what you do with five-year-olds. We loaded up, went to the school down the street, and I registered him for kindergarten After I registered him, I was having so much, I was having a lack of peace inside of me. And I kept hearing this thought, I want you to try homeschooling for a year. And every time I heard it, I would be like, get behind me, Satan. Like, I'm not going to receive that. I don't know. And then it just kept coming with persistence. I want you to try homeschooling for a year. And I ran from that for a really long time. I kept saying, God, you remember who you're talking to, right? Like, I'm the one who talked during school and didn't pay too much attention. And you remember, like, I took decorating classes and like, do you want me to teach my kids about the paint wheel? Because I can do that. But and he kept saying, I want you to try it for a year. And so finally, you know, When God's calling you to do something and you have that heavy nudge for so long and you run, finally, you cry uncle. And so I went to the school. I withdrew my son's registration. And I remember the day that I did that, I felt so foolish. I felt so uncertain. The only thing I did feel certain about was that I was saying yes to a nudge. I felt like God had been putting on my heart that day when I turned around and walked out of the school building. The heaviness I had carried for so long was immediately lifted because I had said yes to what God was asking me to. And I'd stepped over the threshold into obedience. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what was going to be on the other side, but I've walked with God long enough to know that he'll be there on the other side to hold my hand through it. And that day, that very same day that I withdrew his registration, There just happened to be a homeschool panel of moms meeting that night to discuss how they home educate. And so that night I'm sitting at this homeschool meeting. There are about six or seven moms and every single one of them 
is describing a different way that she educates her children at home. And that blew my mind because in my mind, there's one way to do it. You have to be a certain grade to learn a certain thing. And if you don't, you're going to mess them up. And so to sit here and see six moms describing six different ways, my shoulders kind of relaxed and I thought, okay. And one of the moms in particular started sharing about something called the Charlotte Mason method. Well, I had never heard of that, but I liked what she was saying. She was saying, we read a lot of living books, which I didn't know what a living book was. A living book is something that is going to be as interesting for me as the mom to read as it is for my child. It's probably a book that's been around a long time. She talked about having short lessons That was appealing to me, developing the habit of full attention, doing nature studies. All of this, I thought, this resonates. I think I could do this. I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram 7, which means I. it needs to be fun. It needs to be pretty. It needs to be simple or else I'm going to get bored with it and I'm not going to want to keep doing it. And so I thought, I think that I can read some books to my kids. We didn't do so good with a nature study. I don't know if y'all have seen that shirt. It says adventure is out there, but so are bugs. (laughs) We did like a one-time nature study. So I can't say I'm a full 100% Charlotte Mason, but I can say I'm Charlotte Mason inspired. Oh, that is, that so is awesome. Great. Those Enneagram sevens can be such great homeschool moms because uh-huh. they're so fun and you just want to have fun all the time. Yeah. It, you bring the party. When I was sitting here looking at my three boys, I thought short, short lessons was so appealing to me. I thought they would rather be sword fighting in their underwear with glow in the dark life, glow in the dark lightsabers instead of sitting around the table listening to mom. And so I thought, I think we can do this. We can sit around the table. You give me 20 minutes, give me your best attention, and then you can go off and play. Yes, I think uh, kids love that. Yeah. It just made it, it made it manageable for all of us. It made it seem like it was finally doable. And so how it looked in our day-to-day life, um, one of the, First pieces of advice I got when I began homeschooling was know the truth about yourself as a mom. How do you roll? And so I knew for me, I like slow mornings. I want to get up, drink my coffee, let the kids sleep in. Um, I, we, we, do, we do slow mornings. And I love the idea of being highly structured. As bad as I want to be highly structured, I'm not highly structured. I need flexibility. I need a lot of freedom. And that is what, I mean, I've found my groove in homeschooling. And it is a more relaxed approach. It's, it brings a lot of freedom. And I think that's really important for new moms to hear because I think they come into it, especially if you're coming from a public school or a private school setting, and they think they have to recreate school at home for eight hours a day because it takes that long at at public school or in private school. But then for you to say you do very short 20 to 30 minute lessons and they're free to go, that's freedom for some people that they didn't know that they were looking for. Well, and I will say, even though I was drawn to that, my first two years, I let fear 
guide my decision for how I was going to homeschool. I was so scared I was going to mess them up because I felt so unqualified. So our first two years, we did a strictly video-based curriculum. It was a lot of worksheets. It was very rigorous. I sent their work to Florida every eight or nine weeks. They sent back a report card at the end of the year. They had a report card from this academy in Florida by the end of the second year, my kids were begging me, Mom, please, can we do something else? And I knew at that point, I had spread a curriculum safety net. I was too afraid to walk into how I truly wanted to homeschool, that I spread that safety net. And the minute that your curriculum turns into a duty, and you are having battles every day around the table, that is not why we signed up to homeschool. It's fascinating because you're talking about, you know, what you what you're doing now, but that's not what you've always done. Like you didn't you didn't just get into this groove of, you know, 20 minute lessons, 20, 30 minute lessons and enjoying your time together. Like you started on this, you know, totally other, you know, opposite end of the spectrum with the the report cards and the things like that. And, you know, I think. I think that's really encouraging for a lot of people to hear. Like you don't have to have your stuff together right away. And that's the beauty of homeschool is that you can change. If it's not working, change it. You're the teacher. It's your school. Yeah, I think that's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave me was that it's okay to change lanes mid-semester or the first month. If it's not working, just get something else. Do a different curriculum. Um, so tell me now, so you explained what your first couple years were like, but can you tell us what does it look like now? You've got a middle schooler, a high schooler, and a Kindergarten, elementary first grader. Yes. First grader. So, yes. so what does that look like at your house now with this m- more relaxed you? When we moved into the more relaxed approach, it was like a breath of fresh air. We began to flourish. So what it would look like We would get up in the morning, like I said, have our coffee. The kids would do their morning chores. We would turn on the lamps. We would light the candles. We would get everything. We would get the atmosphere ready. And then we would come 10, 1030. We would come and we would have what I call morning time. I would open us in prayer. I would read a story from the children's storybook Bible. And then we would read aloud our books I found during that time a free website called Ambleside Online, and that is where I got my book list for what are we going to read aloud, because this is an interesting thing. I was not a big reader when I started homeschooling. That is something now I'm an avid reader, but when I started, I thought I'm not a reader. I don't know how to identify a good book, so I leaned heavily on a couple resources, The first book that I got my hands on was called Honey for a Child's Heart by Gladys Hunt. I think every homeschooling mom should read it because it has such good value on the value of good literature. And then the second half of the book has an annotated book list, and it's divided up by age groups. So you can literally flip it open, find some books that look good, go online to your local library, check those books out, and then there you've got your good books. Another resource that I relied heavily on was a book called Educating the Wholehearted Child by Clay and Sally Clarkson. That book 
is everything from start to finish of what you need to homeschool your children. It also had good book recommendations. And that's what I was looking for. I needed to know. I know I want to read good books. I don't know where to find them. Those two resources told me what I needed to know. So when we were gathered at morning time, at this point, I had a little newborn baby. And so our morning time would last as long as she was holding out. Sometimes it would be 20 minutes. Sometimes we could go over an hour. If we were in the groove, I let us be in the groove. After morning time, we would go to the table for our more structured time. I used a spiral notebook for each of my kids. I'm talking the 75 cent one from Walmart. I used a composition notebook, also like a dollar. And I would dictate to my children uh, either a passage of scripture, a proverbs, a good quote. I would dictate it. They would write it down in their spiral notebook. When they got done writing it down, they'd bring it to me. I would look at it. I would circle, okay, you need to capitalize this. This needs a comma. I would underline if they misspelled a word, that word would become their spelling list. I would rewrite it. And then here you go. I want you to write this word six times. So we were doing a very simple, doable approach. It did not require lesson planning from me. It required a book basket. I I tell people, if you have a Bible and a library card and a math lesson, you can home educate your children. Okay, so tell me, so is the math curriculum the only type of curriculum that you use that's a more formal structured curriculum? Yes, we use teaching textbooks to start out our children. Teaching textbooks does not begin until third grade. And here's another interesting thing. I tried this out on my third son. I had been doing a lot of reading that later is better, especially with math. And it made sense to me not to start the kids on a formal math curriculum until they were in third grade. And so I went out on a limb and tried it. At this point, I have a little experience under my belt. I've seen when I have a nudging, I can run from it or I can embrace it. And I saw what running from it produced. And so I thought, I'm going to try this. It was magical. It worked. It, he picked it up. Just no problem. There weren't any tears about math? No, no tears. And he just picked it up. And he's doing beautiful with it. So my six-year-old is going to have the education. I wish I would have given all of my children, but experience is our teacher. And so with her, her education looks like she's going in first grade. I won't start a formal math until third grade. I use a book by Ruth Beechick called The Three R's. It is a simple start to reading, language, and math. And until she gets in third grade, we're going to learn basic things, how to count to a hundred, how to count by fives, how to count by tens, by twos, by threes. We're just going to be laying that foundation. We do this when we're driving in the car, super laid back. So, Anna, I know that you're involved in a local co-op here. Um, how does that fit in? I know a lot of co-ops are way more structured than what you're describing uh, your home life to be, your homeschool. So how does that work? How does that work with you guys going to a more structured co-op? So when my oldest son went into sixth grade, we did join a co-op because at that point I knew I needed the structure. 
I knew that we all needed it. I was getting a little too relaxed with my relaxed approach. And I knew we just can't sit around and watch Netflix all day. Like we got to be getting some stuff done. (laughs) So I, I tell moms, if your kids are in elementary school and you're just starting out, you do not need a co-op. Stay at home as long as you can with your babies. Enjoy them. Sit on the couch. Read good books. Live life for as long as you can. How it looks like now, my middle school, my middle schooler and my high schooler, I print their assignments out on Sunday night. And so when they get up Monday morning, they know exactly what's expected of them. I'm pretty hands off with them. My goal as a homeschool mom is to work myself out of a job. So really, my biggest job is to teach you how to read. Once I can teach you how to read, and I will be doing a lot of reading aloud to you in the younger years. But man, once you get that, you are off. I have heard a quote that says something along the lines of there's no education, but self-education. I'm a firm believer in that. You want to learn something, you read it, you teach it to yourself. One of the big things about Charlotte Mason is have them narrate back what they have heard or what they've read. Have them narrate back what they have read. That just simply means have them tell you back what they read. They can do that orally or they can do it written. But when you narrate something back, it helps you assimilate the information and it becomes yours. It's a super simple way to do it. So narration, if you are just starting out homeschooling in any grade that you have and you're thinking, I don't know how to do this, get them a math curriculum, get them a math book, a science book, a history book, and some books for them to read like some fiction and nonfiction. Have them narrate back to you what they studied. If your biology book has 25 chapters, then sit down with your cute new little planner and, okay, think I've got to do 30 weeks of instruction, so we need to do a chapter a week. And then have them write a little paper or have them tell you while you're cooking spaghetti what they learned. Boom, you're done. I love it. Okay. You're so relaxed. I love it. I love I it. I love it. Okay, so how would you describe your approach to homeschooling? I would say it's probably a combination of three different methods. I would say it's part Charlotte Mason, part classical inspired, and part unschooling. And when I say unschooling, I want to talk about that. Like when I hear unschooling, I think Oh, so you just let your kids run around and do nothing. When I say unschooling, that is not what I'm talking about. My kids are doing math lessons. They are doing writing. They're learning their science. They're learning their history. But I, my job is to spread the feast out and it is their job to take from it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Spread the feast out. Oh my goodness. That's such a visual. I love it. And, you know, when I think about unschooling, a lot of what I've read about unschooling is a little bit more 
you let a student led, you let them decide what they want to study. And I feel like that can turn into a little more classical or a little bit more Charlotte Mason. If they're interested in Blue Jays this week, we're going to learn about Blue Jays. That's science. That can be history. How, how do they migrate? How do they um, reproduce? That's all those things. But that could be unschooling, right? Yes. Is that your understanding as yes, well? Yes, absolutely. And it gives room for real life. I know a couple years ago, my mother-in-law got unexpectedly sick and she ended up passing away. But while she was sick, we had the freedom to load up, drive five hours up the road. And we spent her last days with her in the hospital and with my father-in-law. And during those days, I promise you, we were not working math lessons. We were working real life lessons together. We were coming together in real life experiences, which in my opinion, at the end of the day, everything we do is about relationship. Relationship is the answer to every question. In scripture, God says, I want you to love me. I want you to love people. As a homeschooling mom, I want you to love God. I want you to love people. I want you to love learning. And it was a bittersweet time, but it was so beautiful because here we were, that was not in the lesson plans, but it was real life. We came together as a family and, you know, a year after she passed away, I remember that day trying to homeschool. It was the one year anniversary of her passing away. And we gathered together for morning time and the wheels were falling off the bus. We all were in a puddle of tears. And I messaged my husband and said, we're not doing good. He said, give me 30 minutes. I'm going to pick up some Christian chicken and I'll be right there. And so we put the little read alouds away. I said, kids, y'all go play. Daddy's coming to bring us some Chick-fil-A. And I put a tablecloth on the farm table. I put some plates I just I set the table, candles, napkins, glasses. He came home. We ate chicken nuggets. We sat around a pretty table. We had fun music playing. We talked. We shared about our memories. He left and went back to work, and we were whole. We were whole. The table is where so much healing stuff happens. Um, I've seen this happen when we're having a meltdown in school. A kid is being frustrated over spelling or whatever. The ministry of a well-timed snack. You get to do that when you were a homeschool mom. You know, buddy, let's put this down. A plate of cheese and crackers and grapes and water in a fancy little wine glass. I'm telling you, it can take a breakdown and turn it into something really great. That's one of my favorite parts about homeschooling is getting to love these kids, getting to do life right where we are. Yes, they're learning history. Yes, they're doing math lessons. Yes, we're doing real life. We are not behind if we miss something. So the quarantine and the pandemic just hit. I promise you also, I say we weren't doing math a lot. I'm seeing a pattern here. (laughs) (laughs) That we weren't doing math when the quarantine hit. But you know what? Here we are in the summer. My kids are doing math. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Okay, Anna, so I want to I want to grab something that you said a minute ago where you were talking about the table and that you come to the table and that's where the healing and the relationship and, and the learning happens. Do you have a schoolroom or do you just do school around the table? We do not have a schoolroom. We actually just moved into a smaller house. We sold our dream house. We downsized by about 700 square feet because I just wanted to see if I could do it. So we have a little kitchen table 
and a little living room. And that is where we do school. Uh, With my first grader, we oftentimes cuddle up in the bed and snuggle up and do our read alouds right there in my room. And I think that's encouraging to so many people because people feel like they have to have a Joanna Gaines style schoolroom that's all perfect and organized and where everything is. And you don't. And to be honest, even if you do, your kids are going to bring their math homework to the bathroom while you're in the shower. Like, that's just what happens. Yes, ma'am. So I think that that can be encouraging to so many people that you've been doing it for all these years. And you still don't have, you don't have to have a school room. No. And I'll tell you something else that might blow your mind. At the end of the year, I throw everything away. Thank you. I throw away the worksheets, the notebooks. The only thing I'll keep if, um, like they're written papers, if we've had them bound or something, I mean, I'll keep that or the cute stuff when they're little, the Mother's Day things, Mm -hmm. Uh, everything else. So I throw it away. So let's talk about that. So you have um, a high schooler now. How do you keep records on a high schooler? What are you going to do for a transcript? I think this is something that a lot of people are nervous about. If they start talking about homeschooling their high schooler, um, what do you do? Yeah. So having a high schooler can be intimidating. I want to tell you, it's not a big deal. You can do it. What I did, now I use highly sophisticated methods as you've probably caught on. So I went to Google and there's, um, I Googled smart core graduation requirements for your state. And that will tell you exactly what your child needs. So it's going to say something like they need four language arts to graduate, four maths, three sciences. So you can actually Google the smart core graduation requirements for your state. That will give you a grid for this is what we need to cover over the four years. Another website that I really like, I've recently found it. It's called How to Homeschool Today. They have a free transcript creator. And so what I did, I went ahead and printed off four transcripts, one for each of my children. I just wanted it simple. I wanted to be able to keep it in our little fireproof safe at home. And I just fill in physical science, their grade, economics, put their grade, government, and I'm keeping track. I would suggest when your student hits ninth grade, start keeping track. You don't want to have to try to remember all of that and have to go back. But it's really just a simple little document very simple. You fill it out. Now, when I get ready to actually print off their high school transcript, I'm going to take this and put it into computer form. So it looks, you know, really nice and professional. But for me right now, I just like to see it in um, paper and pen. Can I ask you something? You said grades, you write their grade, but from everything you've been talking about, it's so much more relaxed. And you said, said the only curriculum you really use as a math curriculum. So how are you figuring out those grades? They are getting grades from their teachers at our homeschool co-op. Their teachers at the homeschool co-op assign them grades for their classes. If I was just getting into this, let's say you're starting homeschooling this year, you have a high schooler, you are not going to be in a co-op, you're going to be doing this at home. I'm going to be looking for, did you do your work? Did you do your best? Did you give it good effort? In my opinion, that's a win. 
So how do you handle, um, if you have a math question that they get wrong, so you're working through their math lesson and you get one wrong, what do you do with that with your kids? I asked my husband because he's a math major. <laughs> Enough, I can enough. give his name and number to y'all and then no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answers are in the back of the book, though. So we look at the back of the book and if we can't figure it out, we call in somebody else to help. That's another really important thing I've learned about home educating. I don't have to teach every single subject. If I'm horrible at math, I can hire a tutor. I don't have to be the one to teach it. I can do the lessons on DVD. We actually switched to Matthew C. this year. And I love it because the guy on the video, he teaches how to do it. He's a great teacher. And then they have their six or seven lessons for that unit. And then they go on. Mr. Demi is is pretty um, pretty good. He's oh, great. I'm even learning things. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can do this. I have Mr. Demi. <laughs> I'm nailing this communicative mm. property, whatever. Oh, you're way up higher than we are. I don't know. I made it. We, we do Saxon, and I, I ordered seven six for my oldest kid, and it kind of freaked me out when I saw the seven, and I was like, oh, "Whoa, gosh, algebra, pre-algebra's next. I can't do it." <laughs> he's not I me. Mean, he's going in. He's technically going into fifth grade, but he's. You know how they are. Does he love math? He loves math and he's good at it. So we just go on. But That's amazing. That's one of the great things about it. Because you can Being able to work ahead. Exactly. Yes. The heart of our podcast is to encourage and equip homeschool families, especially families new to homeschooling or in new seasons of homeschooling. We know that a lot of people are considering homeschooling this year and are going to be starting with their older kids, not just kindergartners or younger kids. And there's a lot of us who are heading into our uncharted territory. Maybe they've been homeschooling for a while, but are transitioning to middle or high school levels with their kids and aren't sure how to navigate all of that. What advice would you give someone who's just starting to homeschool an older child? I would say know the truth about yourself. If you are a highly structured mom, you might like a highly structured method to homeschooling. If you're more relaxed, don't try to do a highly structured program. You're going to sink the ship. And it's not going to be good. Really keep it basic. Get them a math curriculum. Have them read history. Have them do science. Get some read. Get some books for them to read. It does not. Don't overcomplicate it. I I think relationship trumps everything. At the end of the day, relationship is why you're doing this. You are spreading out the feast for them. They will take from it and they will get what they need from it. Relax. It's going to be okay. I view homeschooling as little drops in the bucket. Those little drops, they add up to one great education. You have a day where the wheels fall off the bus. It's okay. Put it away and come back to it tomorrow. Those little investments, they add up. Uh, You're probably never going to accomplish everything on your list for the day. And that's okay. You just keep chugging away at adding those drops to the bucket. I can almost assure you it's going to look different than what you imagine. And you trust that the one who called you is faithful. This morning I was reading in First Timothy and it was talking about Paul's testimony. And he said something like, 
Jesus is the one who strengthened me because he's the one who called me and he's the one who's faithful, even though, and he goes on to list his, even though dot, 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 all his weaknesses, we can do the same. Jesus is the one who called us. He's the one equipping us, even though dot, 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 whatever your weakness, whatever your limitation, it's okay. You're being used in his hand for his purposes in the lives of your children. So let those things guide you. When the day threatens to derail you, you put it away and you say, we'll add another drop in the bucket tomorrow. When things feel like they're going haywire, you stop and say, God, show, reveal to me what I'm sensing. This does not seem to be going well. I need you to help me out and show me. We need to be doing something different. I'm relying really heavily on you, Lord, to help us get through this. And he will. He will. Before you know it, you'll be graduating those babies and watching Netflix all day and eating ice cream like it's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You'll be binge watching Doc Martin. (laughs) Oh, the rewards. (laughs) One day, (laughs) you're going to be living in a camper down by the river. (laughs) But there's freedom in that. There's freedom in knowing that God's the one who's who's taking care of the things. And it doesn't rest on your shoulders alone to do this. It's not really up to you. Yes. Anna, we always end with the same question because we all love some supplies. What is your favorite homeschool supplies? I have two right now. The first one... I was at Walmart the other day in the school supply section, and they have these polka dot sticky tab page marker things. They're Avery. They're pink and blue and purple, and they're adorable. They're less than four bucks. And I need you to all go to Walmart and get some right now because it'll make you so happy. The second thing, we love dry erase markers at our house and our little dining room where we do school, we pull up the blinds and we make the window our dry erase board. So my kids do their math problems on the window. We're doing phonics on the window. They're practicing artwork on the window, dry erase markers. It's magic. I love that so much because so many people think I need to have a a whiteboard. It needs to look like this. I need to have it hanging on the wall. I need to, you know, I need to have all these little pieces. And here you are just like, Roll up the blinds and it's go to just, town. If my husband had his way, we would have whiteboards all over the house. But I just, I got to put my foot down somewhere. Yeah. We cannot have that madness. <laughs> Do you have a particular brand that you like or just any dry race works for you? Any dry race, whatever. I don't even know the brand. Because um, I'm picky because I like these that are these big intensities. See, never seen this in my life. They're, they're like the best. I spent a whole summer deciding which was the best, and those are the best. They don't stain stuff. They don't stain your whiteboards. Not that you have a whiteboard to stain, but. They don't stain your window. They're really bright colors, where like most dry erase markers are a little more dull. Primary snoozer, yeah. Yeah. Well, we will link those, our favorite markers. <laughs> and favorite some version of the dry erase. Some yes. uh, sticky tabs in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today, Anna. You gave us such good advice, and I know that so many parents will appreciate all the things that you have said. Um, Would you mind to close us in prayer? Yes, I sure will. Lord, we love you so much. 
We are so thankful that we get to be your hands and your feet in the lives of our children. You call us to what you want us to put our hands to, and you are faithful. You know the fears that each of us have entering into a new school year. You know where we're weak. You know where we're strong. You have put us in the exact place with the exact children at this exact time in history to be the teacher that our children need. Help us to remember that relationship trumps everything. Give us your vision for what you want our days to look like. Help us understand what you have in mind. I pray that we would not lead and make choices out of fear, but that you would help us step into what you're putting in front of us with feet of faith. And we know that you will be there on the other side when we step into obedience. You promise in your word that obedience brings blessing, and that is what we're stepping on. That's what we're walking in faith by. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you were blessed and encouraged today. Check us out on social media at the Deeply Rooted Homeschool. We'll see you next time.